We're in for the second part of our series called Entrusted. And so get ready for this. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you ready for this? You ready for this? Because last week we settled the issue of ownership. The issue of ownership. That everything that we have belongs to God, comes from God, and is dispensed by God. That everything we have has been entrusted to us. That's our time, our money, our careers, and callings. Everything even to our kids. That was a big relief to many parents out there. Because when they've got problems with their kids, they can say, Hey God, they're your kids. You sort them out. And so we talked about that last week. That we don't own anything. That we're not entitled, but we are entrusted. And we're looking at this theme of stewardship because it runs right throughout the Bible. And at Equippers, we like to keep it real. We like to talk about issues that affect our everyday life. God doesn't want to just give us answers for eternity. I believe He gives us answers for the here and now. And I want to suggest to you today that, that a good steward lives with open hands. How many know when your hands are open, open like this, God can put stuff in it? He also, though, can take stuff out of it. But many people today are living their lives tight-fisted. And when people live their lives tight-fisted, it removes God's influence in their world. I believe if we're to be a good steward, we need to live with open hands. Come on, if you want to experience everything that God has for your life, you've got to live with an open hand. You know, I saw the other week, you know, that it's possible of turning your hand over without twisting your wrist. How many people could turn their hand over and without twisting their wrist? Some of you are going, how do, how do you do that? The way that you do that is you go like, like this, like that, like this, like that, like this, boom, like that. Did you see that? Did you see that right there? That's a miracle. Here's the deal. You can open your hand without being twisted. Come on, God wants to do something in your life. And uh, I believe it comes down to when we, uh, when we apply God's Word to our life. I, I like a verse found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. It says, The seed falling among the thorns, this is a parable Jesus told, refers to somebody who hears the Word. How many are hearing the Word right now? Yeah, hears the Word, a person who hears the Word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the Word, making it unfruitful. Now, many of us want to live fruitful lives. And many people would say, well, I want to let the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches rob me of God's best. I would never do that. But the worries of this life is a Jewish thought that simply means it's the failure to be here. The failure to be here. Some of us, we're here, but we're not here. Well, at least we're not here in our mind. We're here physically, but, but we're somewhere else. And, and it's not even though that we're anxious, it's just that we are not present where we are physically. And if you're physically there, it's so important that you be mentally there. And, and what the worries of this life is, is when you can't be fully present just for a moment to see what God has for you here. I believe God has something special for you today. I believe God wants to move in your life today, but that's gonna require you to be fully here, not somewhere else, not thinking about what you're gonna have for a meal later on, but, but, but here, present now. 
God wants to speak into your heart. It's a failure to be here because you're worried about something else. But the other thing that chokes the Word of God, come on, we don't want to be chokers. <laughs> the other thing that chokes the Word of God is the deceitfulness of wealth. So if the worries of this life is the failure to be here, the deceitfulness of wealth is the failure to be now. The failure to be now. It's the idea that something outside of me that I don't currently have, that if I just obtained it, it would make me feel better and I'd be happier. Yeah, you know, more money is a myth. You know, someday, uh, you know, that if I had more, that would be enough. Uh, that's a myth. Because it's proven the more you get, often the more dissatisfied you can be. In fact, contentment is a learned skill. It's not a place, it's not an event, it's a learned skill as a believer. And, and, and the deceitfulness of wealth is wanting something that you don't have, getting what you wanted and realizing it didn't do for you what you wanted it to do. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. In fact, one philosopher put it this way, we fluctuate between pain and boredom. Pain and boredom. We go through all the pain to get what we think will make us, our life better, but then we're still bored. And, and, and Jesus is challenging this in people. Come on, it's the Word of God that will make you fruitful. It's the Word of God that, that will move your life forward. The worries of this life is always being somewhere else. The deceitfulness of wealth is chasing the thing that we don't have that we think will make us better. And Jesus is challenging them saying, that won't make you fruitful. That will kill, that will choke the very ability, uh, the very ability that, that God has to make your life fruitful. Today, if we want to be fruitful, just three things. Number one, number one, what do we need to do? We need to choose the middle of the road. Now, normally I wouldn't say this. You know, middle of the road leaving is where you normally get run over. But I'm talking about a road, there's, uh, there's one lane. And either side of this narrow road is two ditches. And sadly, these two ditches in a Christian's life are mistaken beliefs when it comes to God, money, blessing and stuff. See, see a lot of us have a leaning to, to one side of the road. You know, if you take your hands off the steering wheel, which I recommend you don't do, uh, but if you take your hands off the steering wheel and your wheels aren't aligned, it will drift normally to one side of the road. And, and so do our lives. Now, now what you've got to understand is these two ditches involve idolatry. And some of you are going, whoa, that's big. What's idolatry? Well, idolatry is simply anything that is more important to you than God. It's anything that takes, it takes focus off God and puts it on something else. It's anything that absorbs our heart and our imaginations other than God. It's anything that you seek to, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. In fact, idolatry in a lot of places is taking a good thing and it's making it the ultimate thing. You know, we talked about last week that God gives us everything for our enjoyment. God doesn't want you to live a miserable life. God wants you to live a full life and He's given us everything for our enjoyment. You know, creation, beaches, you know, the fact that we can play sports, you know, cars, they're amazing. Family, all being given to us for our enjoyment. But how many know if you're a parent and you gave a child a gift and then they started loving that gift, spending more time with that gift than they did with you? 
you know, you wouldn't want that. You'd want your child to enjoy the gift, but not put it ahead of you. But how often do we do that with God? And that's God's approach with you and I. See, you've got to understand there's a competing, uh, there's competing forces that are at war with our affection and our attention. And I've learned a lot about these two ditches through my parents' journey when they got saved. When they got saved, they were farmers. They lived on a farm. Now, I'm glad they gave their heart to Jesus because I might have been a farmer. Not that there's anything wrong with being a farmer, but I don't believe that was my destiny. But God arrested my parents' heart when they were on a farm. And they had this discussion in the kitchen it was before I was around, they said, we're either all for God or it's nothing. We're either all for God or it's nothing. Now, now that led them to do Bible college and, and eventually led them to leaving the farm and doing an internship in Gisborne. In Gisborne, yes, that's Gisborne. Anybody listening from Gisborne, great to have you here. The first city to see the sun. Now, now what happened was God eventually asked them to sell their farm and give half of it away. Yeah, that's right. Sell it and give half away. Now, now, God really blessed my parents. And as I shared last week, where my father learned to tithe was, he read the Bible, he said, it's in the Bible, I'm gonna do it. And his farm was really blessed. So when he sold the farm, you know, from the other half that was left, they were able to buy a good house in one of the nicest suburbs of Wanganui. Of, of Wanganui, yeah, that's right. And they were able to buy a batch and they were able to buy two new cars while they started this church, while they started planting this church. Now, now they were planting this church and getting it underway. But as a pastor, you know, many people actually would look upon us as a family and they would despise what we had. Who do you think are living in that house? Those cars, you know, got that holiday home. And I almost brought my father to a point where we'd end up apologizing for what he had. Come on, have you ever bought something new before? And then almost you didn't want to tell anybody else it's new? You know, or you buy a new shirt and, and then you make excuses for it. Well, I got it on discount. You know, because you're afraid of criticism. You're afraid of actually explaining it. And, and people would criticize back then. I remember as a kid what we had without realizing what had been laid down. You know, they hadn't given away half their assets. And to my father's own admission, you know, this criticism affected his mindset. And what it was, it was a religious poverty mindset that, that said stuff is evil. It's evil. See, that mindset is a ditch. It's a ditch that people can trap into. You know, money is, is not evil. The love of money is evil. You know, I, I love the fact that he was able to uh, uh, break through this, not just for himself, but for his kids and the kingdom. Because uh, later on, after coming to Auckland, planning the church here, uh, he had a conviction to go to London. And going to London was going to require a lot of resources to plant a church there. Uh, the pound at that time was three times the value of the New Zealand dollar. So, so it was going to take a lot of money. And in fact, one pastor came up to him at a time and go, man, it's going to cost a lot of money to plant a church in London. 
And he said, wouldn't it be better using it here? You could plant a church here. There's, there's a lot of need here. And my father's response was, no, well, God told me to do it in London. How, how many know obedience is key? Obedience is more important than, than just looking at the need around us. And, and so many people don't, don't understand that it's obedience that actually releases the provision of God. Yeah, so often, you know, we make money our value system as to what we do and what we don't do. It's in a lot of places determined by how much money is in our bank account. What should be the determiner of our steps is whether God's told us to do it or not. Yeah, I love Psalm 5 verse 7. It says, but as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. Aren't you glad today that we live in the multitude of God's mercy? Come on, some of us need to be a bit more excited about that. We live in the multitude of God's mercy. Listen to this. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. It's amazing today how a lot of people worship toward their own knee. But here the psalmist says, my worship is directed towards the house of God. A lot of people's worship today can be centered around their need. I'll worship as long as you provide for my need. You know, I've I got to feel like it to worship. And, and so many people are struggling in their lives, marriages, because they've got a warped view of how God works. And they think God's almost like a genie. If I rub the lamp, if I pray, if I worship, then He will meet my need. But, but worship is meant to be towards a purpose. See, see, the danger in life is we worship what we should use and we use what we should worship. Come on, do I have to say that again? Uh, we worship what we should use and we use what we should worship. See, I, I wanna challenge you that, that the middle of the road, if you wanna be in the middle of the road, the middle of the road and not go into the ditches, the middle of the road is found in the mission of God. When it comes to your resources, if you're gonna be a good steward, it means that you need to align your life with the mission of God because success in life can only be defined by purpose. The question is, did you fulfill your purpose? See, one of the traps of the enemy is being successful at the wrong things. You know, in this world, you know, it's all about speed. It can be all about speed and not direction. We're going fast, but we don't know where we're going. In a lot of places, it's about options. You know, this world provides a whole lot of options, but just because you have a whole lot of options, it doesn't mean there's an improvement. How I many know there's more TV channels than there's ever been before? I remember the day when there was only two. I remember the launch of TV3. Yes, that's right, three channels. We have a whole lot more programs today, but it doesn't mean they're better programs. Yeah, and the danger is we evaluate our life by the wrong criteria. And what we're going to evaluate our life is, are we doing what God's called us to do? Because it doesn't matter how much money you have, how, how, how much possessions you have. You know, it's not he who has the most toys wins. In fact, you can have a whole lot of toys 
immerse your purpose in life. But how often are our lives guided by, by, by the wrong things? And I believe it's important that we choose to live in the middle of the road. Choose to, the second thing we need to choose if we're to be fruitful and be a good steward is we need to choose to be on guard. Now, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus was teaching a crowd of thousands and they were captivated as Jesus challenges the listeners to be faithful to God. And he's saying things like, if you disown me here on earth, Jesus says, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. Now, for people who haven't been baptized, that's a good scripture. Come on, you need to go public with your faith because you don't want Jesus to disown you in heaven. In fact, Paul said in Romans chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of his name because it's, it's the power of God unto salvation. If you haven't taken that step of baptism, maybe you need to embrace that and trust God fully. See, see, Jesus is urging the people to see their life through the lens of eternity. But there's a guy in the crowd who's not thinking about heaven. He's got money on his mind. He's got money you know, on his mind. And he says, you know, he says in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I want to say, if one side of the ditch is a poverty mindset, the other side of the ditch is materialism and, and, and greed. And sadly, in some Christian settings, it can be called a prosperity mindset. Prosperity is a biblical world, but in today's world, there's a lot of connotations around that where people are just calling it prosperity, but it's materialism and greed. Here, this guy wasn't viewing his life through eternity. He was trying to resolve a dispute between him and his brother. Now, it's probably, you know, if you look into this, it's the younger brother asking this question. Because according to Levitical law, family inheritances, if you're the older brother, you got two thirds of the inheritance. Any older siblings out there? Uh, you know, uh, you go, man, why aren't we back in the Old Testament? No, you're not. You got two thirds of the family inheritance. If you're the younger, you only got one third. And so, so there was a dispute going on there. And, and listen to what Je Jesus responds. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to be a judge or arbiter between you? And he said to them, watch out. Everyone say, watch out. Be on guard. Be on guard. You need to be on guard. Another, uh, this is going to come against you, so you, you need some defenses here. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. So there's not just one kind of greed, all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You know, so many people think greed's just this and greed's that, but greed can be many things. It can be spending all your money, but greed can also be saving all your money. Yeah, it's hard to recognize it sometimes in your own life. And Jesus makes the point that life is not about money. And he goes on to tell a story about a guy who, who put his trust in his money and, and, and his possessions were his God. In fact, Jesus, right throughout the New Testament, he tells 38 parables. Do you know 16 of them deal with the subject of money? 16. So, so Jesus got some thoughts when it comes to money and possessions. 
And, and Jesus makes it clear uh, the God of money is, is the God that's the main competitor for our hearts. But the, the problem isn't money. See, again, money is not the root of all kinds of evil. Many people misquote that passage of Scripture. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money, money is amoral. Uh, it, it takes on the personality of whoever's hand it's in. So in a good person's hand, it can do good things. In a bad person's hand, it can, it's going to bring destruction. That's why Jesus said, if we go to this verse again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Here we go. What is mammon? Mammon is an aromatic word that actually means riches. Most people think mammon refers to money, but I, I don't think that's what Jesus was referring to here. It came from, this word mammon came from the Syrian god of riches that came from Babylon. Now, most people have heard of the city of Babylon, but they don't know where that came from. To understand where that came from, you just need to say that word really slowly. Say it slowly right now. Babylon. Babylon. Babel, it came from the Tower of Babel. And what does Babel mean? Babel means confusion. Confusion is where God confused the language of people. And, and Babylon actually means to be sown and planted in confusion. So this city had its roots in confusion. But, but remember, back in the Tower of Babel, what were they doing? They were building a tower so that they could get to heaven. What were they doing is they were build, uh, building a system that they think would get them to heaven. Now, now right there and there, that, that represents a prideful, arrogant spirit. You know, uh, uh, of man that says, I don't need God, I can do it my own way. And that's where the spirit of mammon comes from. See, see mammon is a spirit. Mammon is a spirit that Jesus is re referring to, and it's a false god of riches. The Syrian god of riches says, listen to me. Listen to me. You need to listen to me. Because this, this spirit rests on money. And money either has two spirits resting upon it. It either has a spirit of mammon or the spirit of God. If you want the spirit of God on your money, You've got to give God your first and your best. And when you do that, it's then and then you can trust Him with the rest and be a good steward. That's how you invite the Spirit of God on your possessions. Again, it's, a, it's an open hand. It's just saying, here, God, everything I have belongs to you. You take out of my hand what you want, and you can put into my hand what you want. See, see, you've got to understand that. And the way that you get the Spirit of God is, is by following God's way. The question is, are you going to love and trust money or are you going to love and trust God? Because Jesus said you can't serve both. You're going to either love one and hate the other. You're going to either be loyal to one and despise the other. And what mammon does, mammon is simply trying to take the place of God. 
Mammon is is a direct contrast to the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something about Mammon. Mammon is looking right now for servants. It's looking for servants. Mammon promises us everything that only God can give us. Think about it. Mammon promises security. Oh, if you had more money, you'd be secure. You know, mammon promises identity. You know, if you had more money, people would listen to you. Mammon promises freedom. If you had money, you could go where you want, when you want, you could do what you want. Mammon, what is it all? It promises happiness. If you had more money, you'd be happy. You'd have a good marriage and people would respect you and, and listen to you. But, but listen, only God can give you security, identity, freedom, and purpose. It's only God who can give you love, peace, and joy. And yet Mammon says, if you had more money, Mammon's looking for servants. And you can't serve both God and money. You're, you'll love one and you'll despise the other. See, this may be shocking right now, but but mammon is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's actually so clear in Scripture. See, the spirit of the Antichrist does not rule through the threat of nuclear war or, or a pandemic, according to the Bible. But the spirit of the Antichrist rules through the threat of not being able to buy and sell. See, if mammon... It's not a spirit. How come it can talk? I've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it. Every time you want to step out and give, you better not do that. You might not have enough. Every time you open your hands, every time you allow your fingers to be pried open from what you think is yours, you know, that spirit will talk. And Mammon is trying to get us not to serve God, and it wants to take the place of God in our life. So you've got to understand, there's a lie. If you had more money, you could help more people. That's what people say. Well, if I, I won lotto, I'd gift half to the church. Uh, can I, I, I tell you, you know, what helps people? God. God helps people. Money's a servant, but it's God who helps people. See, Jesus never told people the answer to their problem was more money. He never went up to the blind person, the deaf person, the prostitute, and said, have mercy, you need more money. He never said that. So money is not the answer. Money money can do great things, but, but without the Spirit of God on it, you're never going to actually be, be fruitful. And, and we need to get the Spirit of God on everything that we're doing because we're serving God, not our possessions. See, we're going to make some decisions in that. Well, we, can either have these, we can all have these thoughts. I either need God to come through or I need somebody to give me money. You know, with the building, we need a building here in Auckland City. You know, we go, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome that somebody just gave us a check so that we could buy a building? No, no, if we're going to get a building, it's going to come by God. Come on, yeah. If I get some money, what you're in essence saying is, I don't need God. Thank you, my problem is solved, I have money. And it's the spirit that tries to take the place of God. You can't serve God 
and mammon. Come on, somebody just open their hands right now and say, it's all yours, God. Come on, it's all yours. And so we need to see that we need to choose the middle of the road. Number two is we need to choose to guard our hearts. Number three is we need to choose to obey. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. Let's look at this passage. This is Jesus. He says, And I say to you, make make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, you may be received into an everlasting home. Now, that's a bit of a strange verse, and it can easily be misunderstood. It seems to say, use your money to make friends. That don't work. It seems to say, use money to do things for people. Uh, That way, if you ever have a problem, uh, they'll be able to help out. That's what it seems to say, but it's actually not saying that. In fact, the Greek word, the Greek word there, it actually means to, uh, the, the word for fail actually means to die or expire. So what it's saying is, it's saying take unrighteous mammon, this money that's been dedicated to the spirit of this world, and take this money and redeem it. Give God the first and the best and trust Him with the rest and use it to build the kingdom and, and make friends with it. So you're going to use it to bring people into the kingdom. And they're going to be your friends. And when you die, they, not it. You know, they will welcome you into an everlasting home. Those people. So, so for those who are part of this church, as we're given into mission and planted churches around the world, in Rio and in India and, 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 and many other places, do you know, you know, for those who have sown into that, you're going to have people welcoming you into heaven because you've taken that, that unrighteous mammon that's been dedicated to the spirit of this world and you've redeemed it and now you're using it for kingdom purpose. Come on, come on, this is an awesome thought here. Come on, yeah, give God a big clap of praise right now. Come on. You know, see, 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 it's when we're in the middle of the road in mission, you know, it's only then and there that, that, that money really fits its purpose. But the problem is many of us can fall into ditches and we can fall into the ditch of a poverty mindset, but we also can fall into the ditch on the other side of a materialism and, 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 and greed mindset. But, but, but it's mission that, that actually centers us and, release, and, and releases us into everything that God has for us. Now, now many people say, well, uh, I have too little of this unrighteous mammon to be concerned about this message. You know, I don't have enough to really worry about it. I'm a student, you know, I haven't got much. Uh, I, I don't need to take notes because I don't have much of it. If that's your attitude, I don't have much. L- listen to me, you never will. Because if you don't steward what you have now, God can't entrust to you more. And so, In fact, he says, if, if you're unfaithful in the little and the least, God won't give you much. It's like the little now, determines how much he can trust you with. And if it's got a hold of your heart now, how many know adding more to that is gonna actually have a greater hold on your heart in the time to come? 
And it's so important that, that, that we understand that money's not evil. Money can accomplish many great things if the Spirit of God is on it. You know, in fact, in Luke 16, verse 12, he says, and if you have not been faithful on that which is another man's, who will give you your own? And, and, and it's possible that, that Jesus right there is talking about the tithe, 10%. Because we established God owns it all, but God specifically said the tithe belongs to me. And I want to say, what's your attitude towards tithing and giving? In fact, Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, in the Living Bible, it says this. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's the purpose. Uh, yeah, many people can say it with their lips, but sometimes we need to put our money where our mouth is. And, and say, God, you are first. You know, a lot of people say, oh, God, you can have all of my life. Yeah, you can have all of my life, but not my money. But, but God tests us with money. In fact, he goes on and he says, in Luke, Luke 16, he says, if you're unfaithful and unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? Christian, I want to ask you, what are the true riches? The true riches in life is relationship with God. True riches in life is, is, is his peace. The true riches in life even go beyond that. The true riches when it comes to the kingdom of God is, is people. People, not stuff. Too many people today have got stuffitis. They've got affluenza. You know, it's all about stuff and material possessions rather than recognizing that the riches of life is found in our relationships with people. Come on, God wants to, to set you free. Where your life is not bound by, by chasing an empty dream. Come on, God's got something more for you. If you just surrender your life to Him, it's found in people. And until, until we decide that, that we're going to use what we have to, to free others. If we don't free others, what we'll become is we'll become enslaved ourselves. And too many people, yeah, they're free and they think they're free and they've got money in the bank, they've got own a house, but, but really they're enslaved on the inside because they're not doing what God called them to do. See, 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 number three, if we're to live a fruitful life, we just need to choose to obey. Just, just choose to trust in the Word of God, even when it goes beyond our understanding. God, I trust you with my life. Some people say, well, I need to pray about it. Well, how many know I didn't have to pray about not getting high before I came out and preached tonight? Uh, that, that didn't even enter my mind. It was just something, you know, I don't do that. Uh, you know, I serve the most high, but, uh, you know, I don't have to pray about getting high. You know, it's like, I, I don't need to pray about whether I get divorced. No, I'm not going to do that. And there's some things just, just in it, you've got to settle in your heart. No, I'm going to trust God with everything that I have. I'm going to live with open hands. I'm not going to be tight-fisted. Too many people are tight-fisted when it comes to things. How many love hanging out with generous people? Come on, everybody loves hanging out with generous people. You know, generous people attract friends, you know, and we've got to use what we have to, to draw more people into the kingdom of God that we might live a rich and full life in Jesus' name.